I'm Awood. Jesus has called us to help others take hold a new life with Him. He's given us the gifts to do it. I'm Coach Jake, and the Maywood Listen Podcast is all about equipping you to carry out that mission. Hey, Coach Bob, thank you for joining me today. I'm glad to be with you, Jake. Very nice. And Bob has been my mentor uh, ever since I first came to Maywood in 2011, and uh, Bob became the lead pastor of Maywood back in 1984. Um, and today I'm really excited for our conversation because we're going to be breaking down uh, the Great Commission, which has always been big on Bob's heart, and he's really ingrained it into Maywood in a lot of ways. Um, but before we dive into it, um, let's let's start with prayer, and then we'll we'll jump right into things. Does that sound good? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus, I thank you for Maywood, and I thank you for Coach Bob, and I, I pray today as we talk about Jesus, your Great Commission at the end of Matthew. Pray that you would come and guide Bob and I, and you'd also guide all those that are listening. Help, help Maywood by your authority and by your presence to carry out the mission that you've given us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so, Bob, do you want to start off just reading us the passage and then just kind of explaining it on kind of just a basic level what it's sure. saying? Sure. If it's okay, I'm going to read it a piece at a time and talk about yeah. it. Is that fair? That's okay. great. So I'm going to start with verse, this is Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to start with verse 18. Mm -hmm. Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And the book, the word authority uh, is very crucial in in the gospel of Matthew. Uh, And so Jesus's authority is appreciated and then it's also challenged. And so authority answers the question, who is in control here? And we really don't know who's in control until the cross and then the resurrection. But after the resurrection, Jesus can say, all authority has been given to me. And so we, his servants, are his agents. We are his delegated authority on earth. So he has all authority, but he gives some of that to us to fulfill this commission. It's a huge responsibility, and we should not take it lightly. Uh, he, he proved his authority on the cross and resurrection. If he gives it to us, we need to do something with it. So the next verse, go ahead, comment. Well, on no, that. I was just going to agree with what you're saying there, Bob. That that's, that's a great point that we need to, that Jesus has ultimate authority, but that we need to be faithful with what he entrusts to us. Right. So uh, let me just, let me pause, go really quick. When Jesus sent out the 12 disciples on their mission, he gave them authority. They were his authorized agents, and they were a blueprint for us. And so back in, in the day when Jesus lived, when a king sent an agent, that agent acted on behalf of the king and on behalf of the country. What he did or she did was completely representative of the country. So we are given his authority as his authorized agents on earth, what we do will represent him and the kingdom of God. So you ready for me to go on? Yeah, that sounds great. Okay. So verse 19 says, go and make disciples of all the nations. And let me just stop with that. Uh, we are to go and to make disciples. And uh, Dallas Willard has very much influenced me on this passage in fact, he's written a book on the, on the Great Commission, but he called it the Great Omission. Uh, so the commission is we are commissioned by God to go do something, 
Unfortunately, the church has omitted a lot of what Jesus taught us. And one of them is to make disciples. We make converts. We make people who vote yes for Jesus. We, we get people to sign a card to be baptized, but we don't make them disciples. And that's a really hard job. Uh, and so that's a, that's a real key point. So we are to make disciples. Dallas Willard describes a disciple as someone who lives a Jesus kind of life. And so their goal is to live their life like Jesus lived his life. And, uh, you know, we have in the church, we've separated people out. We have people who come to church, who give their money, and they're good. And they think they've done all they're supposed to do. Uh, and then we highlight other people. We think they're very special. And they're folks who really try to live like Jesus. Well, the truth is we are omitting what Jesus gave us to do what Jesus gave us to do is to make people like him. So make disciples. And we're to do it throughout the world, all the nations. Got a thought on that, Jake? Or? I've got, I definitely got thoughts. I think that's great stuff. But but I want to let you go kind of through the passage before we dive into too many other All right, let's areas. do it. Yeah. So then we're to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And baptize means literally to immerse. So right now we're baptizing outside in a, uh, a big animal tank yeah. and, and people get all the way wet. Well, baptized means to be immersed. That's what the literal meaning means. So we are to immerse people. The church is to immerse people in the life of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. So last Sunday night, when you preached about prayer and you, you encouraged us to pray this wonderful passage from the end of Ephesians chapter three, your goal was to immerse us into that life. As we pray, as we connect with God, we immerse with him. That's our job. So our commission is to make disciples, people like Jesus, by immersing them in the life of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then we're to teach them to observe all that Jesus commanded us. And again, Dallas Willard has very much influenced my thinking here. He says, the church is not teaching people to observe all that Jesus commanded. So we, we do very little teaching about the Sermon on the Mount, for example. We, we don't walk people through uh, the Gospels and say, let's watch how Jesus lived and let's try to live like him. Let's, let's hear his teaching. So, you know, I write my blog article on real-voices.com and one of the reasons why we're going through the Gospel of Matthew is because God convicted me of that fact, that I need to, to make an effort to help people see this is how Jesus lived, this is what Jesus did, this is what Jesus taught us, this is what we're supposed to do. So that's the commission that the Lord's given us, and then he promises us that as we are doing these things, he's going to be with us even to the end of the age. So. Uh, that's that's kind of my take on that and sort of a lengthy explanation um, on, on those verses. Well, no, that's not lengthy at all. I think it's really good stuff, Bob. And talk to me just, you've already talked a little bit about what it means to be a disciple, this idea of immersed in the life of the Trinity, doing the sorts of things that Jesus did. But any examples for us of what does it look like instead of just helping someone become a convert, helping someone go from far away from Jesus to truly a disciple of Jesus. Any examples you can share? Well, you, you, what you're doing with flight training, I think is an excellent example of that. Your people, you're bringing them in and you're saying, 
you know, let's learn how to do solitude. Let's learn how to pray. Those are tools, by the way. They're not the end product, but let's, let's pray. Let's do solitude. Let's learn how to read the Bible. Let's do these ministry and mission projects. Let's do life together. All of those things are uh, great examples of uh, helping people live a life like Jesus. And, and we get to see that. You know, uh, I could name names. You know, I, I think that we have some wonderful examples of people at the church. And as you say very frequently, we're not perfect, but we see some people who are making progress towards living like Jesus. Um, and, you know, I, without naming names, I, I think there are several people who are doing that right now, and it just thrills my heart to see it. Yeah, for sure. Um, for this, this passage, you know, how do you see it? I, I know, obviously, you see some disciples being made at Maywood. What are other ways that you see us actually living it out or succeeding at this at Maywood? Um, I, I think that uh, I'm going to name some names. Yeah. Okay. I think that uh, your team captains, uh, and they would, they would put Marcus and Gabby, even though they're not serving that role right now, Brian English. Yeah. I, I see them living that up. I see them, for example, I was out in the parking lot one day and a guy asked me, he said, uh, can I sleep in my truck on the parking lot? And Marcus was beside me. He said, no, you can't. You can sleep at my house. Hmm. Well, that, that is a Jesus kind of life type of activity. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jesus would have done that where quite frankly, I wouldn't have. Yeah. Uh, but Marcus said, come on, you can sleep at my house. And that was, that was a huge welcoming thing. Uh, you know, the things that I see uh, Mike Hempel do in terms of just uh, reaching out to people. Uh, and, and there are a lot of people who just do the next right thing. Uh, folks who aren't our, our usual suspects, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always seeing Chris Weeks do something well. Uh, and, and Chris would be the first one to say, I'm not what I ought to be, you know. But he is doing, he is doing a nice job with a lot of things that are, that are very happy, uh, for happy for me to watch. I didn't say right. that well. Uh, so, uh, those are a couple of examples. Um, you know, that we had a birthday celebration that Lester Decker put on a couple of weeks ago for a bunch of people with AA and, and, and there were a lot of people, maybe, I don't know, maybe a hundred people. We didn't do such a good job of socially distancing. I kept telling people back off from me <laughs> and <laughs> I don't think I hope I didn't offend too many, but, uh, but, but there were people and they were all saying Jesus Christ and the program of Alcoholics Anonymous got me sober. That's real to me. That's real discipleship. And again, we're not there. We, we are, we have a long way to go, but, but those are steps I think in the right direction. Yeah, I do. I think you're very right that there's a lot of kind of first fruits at Maywood and then, uh, there is a long way to go. Any, if you, I mean, right now we've got some folks listening to it. Typically, I found people listening to the podcast. They are some Maywood folks who are hungry for action, hungry to go further. And so one of those people listening, if, if they're thinking, okay, I want to live out the Great Commission as part of Maywood better. I want to take another step. What would your push be to kind of the person who might be listening on a next step they could take? Well, if somebody's in recovery, I think uh, one of the best places, easy places, is to get involved in a group with AA. 
and to become a sponsor. And then you don't have to carry your family Bible into the meeting and beat people over the head with it, but you can live out your Christian faith on a very consistent basis, helping people through the steps of AA. And around here, uh, it may be different in other places, but around here, when they get further in, they know that their higher power has a name. It's called Jesus Christ. And so it is a great place to lead people through a systematic program uh, to, to, uh, to, to get both sobriety, but then also to find Christ and then to and move on with him in a deeper life. Uh, I think that that's a, for, for many of our folks at Maywood, that is a great ploy, place and and I would I would encourage people to uh, to pay your dues there, and that involves being involved with people, and then staying with them. You know, sponsors. I've got a couple of sponsor friends of mine that their phone rings off the hook because people yeah. are always calling them, and they're always helping them. So for for me, well, that's a starting point of going into all the world, and it is an easy starting point. It's not like we're in Johnson County with a whole bunch of people over there who are super wealthy and super successful. We got to figure out a way to get into their heart. Uh, one pretty good preacher years ago said, uh, everybody is like an island and you have to get in a boat and row around that island until you find a hole in their heart. And that's where you enter into the place of their need. Well, a lot of people who are in addiction and recovery, they have a very obvious hole in their heart. And if we go out and meet them in that place of their need, we can walk them through. Uh, and again, we do it gently and we do it lovingly. We don't cram it down their throat and we use the, the proper steps that AA gives people. Uh, but I think that's a beginning point and I don't think that's the only point, but it's sure an easy one for us. Yeah. And I love that analogy of, of finding a harbor and you know, taking the time to find a harbor to kind of land at with someone. Right. Carrying the, the other thing is just to use natural, natural relationships. And so, you know, there's a history of women who want their husbands to get saved, but you're not going to get your husband saved by nagging him. And you've got to figure out how can I find that hole in his heart that only Jesus can meet? And how can I be loving enough that he can receive it? You know, that may be just praying a lot for him and spending time with him and being kind to him and, and maybe biting your tongue when you really want to speak. Uh, and I, I don't, you know, it's not just women who nag, men nag too, but the traditional thing has been a wife who's had a lost husband who wants him to get saved, and she thinks if she can just tell him one more time to meet Jesus, he'll get it, she'll get him there, you know. Yeah, well, and, and thinking about kind of just our our folks at Maywood, I was just talking to somebody earlier today, one of our leaders, <clears throat> and uh, he's a union guy, and he told me he was at work, I think it was his last week, and on the way to work, he's, he was thinking about you know, Jesus, I get so busy at work. I'm by myself a lot when I'm working. And he said, I just don't even know how to serve you. And so he prayed as he's driving to work, Jesus, help me to serve you today. And so right. then when he was trying to serve Jesus, his boss offered to buy him lunch or buy the whole crew lunch. And so for whatever reason, he asked for six fish tacos and uh, for this Mexican place. And anyways, when they were eating, a guy from another crew was kind of looking at this guy as he was eating. And so the guy stuck his head out of, of his machine and said, hey, do you want to come get a fish taco? And then they ate some food together. The guy right. hit him on the back of the shoulder and just talked about how much he appreciated it. Right. And this guy saw it as like they're starting to build a, a relationship. And he said, you know, God's going to give me an opportunity there. He had some hope to connect right. with the guy. And I just thought 
that simple step of in the morning saying, Jesus, help me to be used by you today. Right. And then sharing his fish tacos. I mean, it's very simple. He didn't get to see very many people that day, but he showed somebody love and it opened the beginning of a door, you know? Um, Yes, sir. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Um, what would, if you dream about this passage for a little bit, Bob, and think, you know, maybe not just next steps, but if, if Maywood is really faithful to keep going with the Great Commission further and further and further, what sort of things would Maywood start to look like or be about down the road? Well, let me, uh, let me take us back a little bit. Yeah, sure. May. So in the 1970s, I was in Louisiana, and our pastor was friends with Findlay Edge. Findlay Edge was a professor at uh, Louisville Seminary and highly respected and first of all, Finley Edge is probably dead and, and been in heaven for quite a while, but he's, if he's able to watch Maywood, he's applauding because you're living out some things that he dreamed of. So when Finley Edge would come, he said, you know, a lot of people believe that all we have to do is to come to church, give our money, and be good, and that's Christianity. And from my time starting in the ministry in 1968 up until you know, up until my retirement, a whole lot of the church was based on how big is your building? How many people do you have in there? How much money do you have? How many baptisms do you have? And they were not based on the great commission. I so applaud you that you have made this passage and the passage in Ephesians chapter four, our mission statements, and you hold them up in every meeting that we have. And you're working hard to get us there. Findlay Edge would be thrilled. Uh, He preached on people serving God in a very large church. This would have been way back when in the early 70s. And I remember him having something like 100 men come forward and dedicate their lives to serve. Afterwards, he had lunch with the pastor, and the pastor said, I I can't respond to those men. I don't need that many ushers in a church. (laughs) he He had no idea that you can put people to work. And so one of my one of my things is a to applaud what we're doing. Okay, it is really hard. There are still churches that are basing their ministry off of how many people are coming, how many how many do this, how well can we entertain people to get a bigger crowd? And I don't want to dog that too much, but I think we need to acknowledge that. Uh, at Maywood, we have a great opportunity. I would love for people listening to this podcast to know we have a great opportunity to live out authentic Christian discipleship. And I'm not trying to blow your head up, Jake, or the, the church. It just is there. God has made it possible for us to do it. So my dream is that people would say, I am no longer satisfied with coming to church or with being good and giving my money. I want to engage just like the story you told of the guy who prayed in his, in his truck on the way to work. I want to engage in the mission God has given me. I want to do what God has given me to do, and I'm going to come, and I'm going to do it. And, and then they find creative ways to do it. Um, if I can just keep on talking, yeah. it, may be that, it may be that God has allowed this coronavirus pandemic to change church so that we no longer can live uh, with the feel good of a nice worship service in an air conditioned building 
where we sing pretty songs and we hear nice sermons and then we go back to eat and we forget that we're over there. It may be that he's pushing us right now to say, okay, let's get real. Uh, out of our pain, out of our suffering, let's get real. Okay, and, and let's do what God gave us to do. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Bob. I think this season, I think like any time, Jesus has always got opportunities for us. And I think the big question right now is, Jesus, how do we, how do, we do what you want us to do in this time? You know, it's going to look different than it did five months ago or however long ago. Right. But there's very unique opportunities even to follow Jesus right now. And church right. is not going to look the same, but it's the big question is, are we looking like Jesus wants us to look? Um, That's correct. And we, we just have to, we have to be creative. Yeah. Uh, we, and we, and, and, and I'm, I don't have an answer for people. I know what I'm doing. You know, I've got a couple of small groups of people that I'm inviting people to come and be a part of. And I'm writing the blog and I'm staying six feet away or 10 feet away from people and, you know, doing stuff like that. So I, you know, I'm doing some text messaging if I can ever get my phone to work. Yeah. And yeah, you know, we're doing some things like that, but people need to say, okay, God, what can I do? And if I can tell a little story, uh, back about, uh, probably about 15 years ago, maybe longer, I had some really bad sciatic nerve pain and I couldn't lie down. I couldn't sit down. So I had to stand up <clears throat> and the longest I could sleep was like two hours. And for the first, for the first few weeks, I was just mad. It was like, boy, this is just horrible. And I was really, really in a bad place. And finally, I came to a place of acceptance. And I said, okay, God, if you're going to have me like this, I'll get up and I'll pray every night. So I'd sleep for a couple hours. And I, I couldn't sit, so I got one of this, those blonde speaker stands from the church and brought it home, set my Bible on it. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, I'd be up and I'd be walking around in our basement praying. And... I, I would use that as an analogy. Thankfully, I can tell it lasted about six weeks and I got over it. But, but I would I use that as an analogy. Some of us are really upset about coronavirus. We're upset about what's happened in church. And we can be angry. Oh, man, God, what are you doing? How's this happening? Why can't we be like this or that or the other, you know? And, and it might be the best thing for us to do is to say, okay, God, I'm over being mad. Tell me what I can do. Tell me how I can respond. Tell me how I can do what you want me to do and uh, then go do it. Yeah, I think, I mean, that is excellent advice. I love the analogy. And it does, it does take some time to, for most of us anyways, to get over that first initial phase of I just Definitely. want it to be the way uh, that I want it to be or the way that it was. But to really come with open hands to Jesus of this time is yours. Um, yeah, that's really great. So take us through, Bob, you know, this passage, the whole time I've known you, I would say this is maybe the core passage for you and Maywood and trying to live out, be faithful to Jesus. How did this passage become for you, this thing that you, you wanted to implant in Maywood and became kind of driving force for you? Right, right. Thank you. Um, in some ways, it's always been a part of me. Uh, at Maywood... Uh, we were probably in the 80s, and I remember as, as our wedding anniversary, I'm not sure which one it was, and Tony and I went out to eat, and I told her, I said, I think God's calling me to be a missionary. And uh, we had a pretty lengthy talk because that wasn't what God was calling her to do. 
And so I remember that night not sleeping much and uh, sitting down again in the basement and just saying to God, okay, Lord, what is it? And I really felt like what God wanted me to do was not be a missionary outside of our country, but to be a missionary at Maywood. And so a church can be a fortress, and there are there is a fortress mentality around churches where, uh, where they are protecting the faithful, and they have all that. I don't need to go into that. But then a church can also be a mission outpost, and I believe that's the the place the church is to be. So uh, I did some reading at that time, and I, I've made plenty of mistakes along the ways of trying to help the church, but my goal was to help Maywood to be a mission outpost. And, and then probably in the mid to late 90s, God really expanded my vision to uh, we could transform a community. And I'm still hold of that. And I believe that we have the people at the church. God has sent the people at church if we're willing to literally transform our community. And so there's all sorts, there's all sorts of chaos in our country. And uh, I still remember riding down a very tough, tough street in Kansas City, Kansas with my friend, Pastor Leroy Sullivan. And he talked about all the crime and all the difficulties there. He said, let's count the churches. And I don't remember how many churches there were. There was literally a church on every corner. He said, what do they do? They drive here. They park in the parking lot. They have a great worship service. They get back in their cars, and they drive back home. What if all the churches, whether they're at Maywood in Western Independence or in the urban core or in the suburbs, said, our role is to get out of our buildings and get into the lives of people and to make a difference? I think we would make a significant change and I think that it would give glory to God. The problem is we know how to preach and we know how to sing. We don't know how to minister to people outside the four walls. And I'm, I'm painting it with a big broad brush because I'm thankful Maywood does have some examples. Maywood needs more examples of that. And so that's been in my heart. That's been a driving passion. And I don't think it's any different from the heart of Christ who came to seek and save the lost. Yeah, when I... I love that challenge that you give us, Bob, of <clears throat> you know, what if we really got invested in the lives of the people around us, the lives of Western Independence. And you know, earlier Bob was challenging all of us about, you know, what if you went to AA and were a sponsor, or if you reached out in this or that way. And and for some of you, you don't have an addiction background and that's not a pathway for you. But I think for all of us, there's that option of am I gonna open my life up to broken people? And Philippians chapter two is a great kind of summary of Jesus doing that, but the gospels is a much more vivid picture of just Jesus leaving, um, leaving heaven, leaving all this goodness to come down and open up his life to broken people. And I think Bob is a spectacular example, kind of a pioneer for us. And there's been others at Maywood too, but of just showing us the way to do that, to open up your life. Um, and to, to journey towards people and then to open up to them. And um, Bob, what other, I feel like you have been carrying uh, this vision for a long time, continue to carry it. Any advice for us, for some folks that might be the first time they're really understanding this part of our vision, any advice for perseverance when carrying out the Great Commission? 
it's scary and it's fun. Yeah. And so the scary part is uh, getting involved with other people. The fun part is uh, the payoff. In my very first church, I, I went visiting on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, I, I, that was my job, man. That was old Baptist life. And so I remember the first time I went down, I got lost. And uh, the first house I went to, there I still remember the guys' names. I'll not mention them because they were both criminals. And, and they were big, old country boys with guns on the wall. And I'd never in my life been in that sort of thing. I was so scared. We had a nice talk. I didn't talk anything to him about Jesus. I'm the new preacher in town. Good to see you guys. I'm scared to death to be in your house, you know. So, but they became my friends. And I remember one Sunday night, uh, one of the guys, and he was bigger than I am. Uh, I was down teaching a Sunday night class, and somebody said, this guy is outside wanting to talk to you. So I go outside, and he's standing there with a rattlesnake that he had just killed, and it was taller than he was. So he was holding it <laughs> at his shoulder, and the tail was dragging the ground. And he was so proud that he'd killed it. He wanted to show the preacher that he'd killed the rattlesnake. <laughs> and so, so it is messy, and it's scary, but it's fun. The most fun I have is seeing people who are lost get found, You know, who are living in darkness, who come to the light, who are living under the shadow of death, and they come now into the life that Jesus has for them. It's great. Well, and, so people ought to go do it. <laughs> and if, if you guys think back to, if you've taken Jesus at his word, whether it's here in the Great Commission or somewhere else, you've probably had Bob's sort of experience of, I obeyed this just out of love for Jesus or just out of submission. But when I actually did what Jesus told me to do, it led to all sorts of good things I wasn't expecting. Life giving things I, I didn't even think about. And you don't have to understand why Jesus tells you to do something to get all that goodness. Like you just have to follow. And if you right. follow Jesus. I, I knew yeah. nothing, Jake. I yeah. was so dumb. I hadn't read, <laughs> I hadn't read, but a couple of books in the Bible. I had no education. I was 19 years old. If I could do it, then you can, anybody can do it. I mean, it, <laughs> it, can, it can be done. Well, and, it's amazing what Jesus can make of us. I think all of us look up at Bob uh, with respect, you know, and then uh, Bob is, is speaking truthfully there, though. Like Jesus has made Bob into who he is, and Jesus wants to make you. And if you're listening to this, no matter who you are in your past, Bob, Bob is a good example that Jesus can make a masterpiece out of you. If you will follow him, and he'll have a lot of grace along the way, but if you'll follow him, He'll do amazing things through you. And uh, Bob, we can keep going as, as long as, as you like. One other question I have for you, though, is, you know, we've got the Ephesians passage that we'll talk about next week. We're going to actually switch roles. Bob's going to interview me. But how do you see the Great Commission dovetailing together with that Ephesians passage? Well, the Great Commission is the big, like the big picture. And then, uh, so if you have the big picture of the building. Uh, so the artist is coming, the artist has drawn, this is the building, what it looks like. The Ephesian passage is like the blueprints. So you, you find the different components 
and the, the two really blend together. One of them is the big picture, what we're to do, and the other is the the step by step. Do this first, do this second. You know, use this person, use that person. That's sort of a yeah. uh, a general impression. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a great idea, great analogy for it. Um, any any other thoughts that you want to share about the Great Commission, Bob? No, uh, it, it, I will just say the most fun you'll have in your whole life will be doing it. So I have lived out the Great Commission in one way or another uh, for almost 52 years. And I have had the greatest life you could ever have. Mm -hmm. And it was simply doing what Jesus told me to do. And I have stories upon stories. Most of them are fun. Some of them are really heartbreaking. Uh, but, but it's great. And just try it. You know, and, and the guy you talked about who was driving to work, who just said, God, use me. To, that's the best example. Lord, I'm here. I'm available today. Use me. Yeah. Well, Bob, I love getting to talk to you about this stuff. And uh, would you, I, I opened us up in prayer, but would you close us out by praying over sure. the folks listening? Yes, yes. Lord, I thank you so much for what you're doing with us. I thank you for your love. I thank you that you're the one who have, has all authority, and yet you've given us authority to work for you and with you. And I pray that you empower every person to do your will and to work your way. We ask you for that and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bob. It's a pleasure talking to you today. I was talking to you, Jake. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, like I said, we'll be back. To, both of us will be back next week on the podcast. So you can check us out then. We'll be talking about Ephesians 4, 7 through 13. But really enjoyed talking over it today with Bob. And if you're trying to figure out how to get involved at Maywood, Saturday nights, 6.15 or 6.30, we've got some classes going on. 7.30, we've got stuff going on in our parking lot on Saturday nights. And then we have other small groups and things like that going on during the week too. Sunday morning, there's a men's group. Wednesday nights, there's some women's groups. So come on Saturday night. And I've, I've got, a, I've got yeah. a group on Monday nights. Yeah. That, that people can come to me. It's mainly people in recovery. In fact, it's everybody in recovery but me. Yeah. Uh, but people are welcome. We're doing the realvoices.com. Uh, talk about that. And if, if you have nowhere to go, you're welcome. Except it's at 715. Okay. And that's and outside out in, the, in the courtyard? We're out in the courtyard. Yep. Okay. We are. Very good. Well, thank you, Bob, and have a great week. I'll do it. Thank you. God bless you. Okay. God bless you, too. Take care. Bye-bye.